Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham. I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord um, who brought you out, of, out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought in all these, cut them in half and laid each half uh, over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for, uh, for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on that nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, uh, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Uh, Pete, thanks so much for reading for us and well known the names. Um, I, I hope everyone had a restful break over the Christmas period and had your fill of mince pies and turkey and hopefully gained some weight in the process. Already put 2020 behind you and to look forward to 2021. Ready with new resolutions to start and make the best year, best of the year ahead. Or perhaps you had a different Christmas break. Well, not that you didn't gain weight. I figured that all of us did but that it wasn't, well, it wasn't restful at all. Uh, maybe you were disillusioned with the mess from 2020, uh, the experience of broken plans, broken promises, and well, the arrival of 2021, it looks particularly bleak. Uh, back to the daily grind, back into lockdown. Uh, New Year resolutions this year, I mean, what's the point? if all we are doing is struggling to stay 
afloat. You might be as cynical as the, the macro headlines earlier this week, not happy new year, but happy new year. Well, regardless how, whether you're feeling great or feeling rubbish at the start of this year, my hope for us this lunchtime is to come away well, feeling encouraged. Encouraged that we can rest on the promises of God. Uh, to recalibrate our thinking, to remind ourselves that we can trust in God's promises as we look ahead to 2021. But of course, that does raise the question, I mean, how secure are God's promises? How can we be sure that they will surely come to pass? Promises like life after death or a new creation where pain and sorrow and death passes away. And how can we be sure that that will certainly happen? After all, it's easy to, to doubt. I mean, many of us would have experienced the pain of broken promises from friends, from family, and not to mention from the government. And it's easy to doubt when God's promises, uh, when we, what we can touch with our hands and, and see with our eyes is all too real. I mean, like life after the grave, uh, why not decomposition into nothingness? See, a deep trust in God's promises will set us on the right path at the start of this new year. But it's easy to doubt. So how do you deal with doubt? Uh, perhaps as a child, uh, you might have been told not to question and to just believe. Now that's not very satisfying, is it? Or perhaps you could mix around with people who believe and, and hopefully that flows through. But that's groupthink, and that's not very satisfying either, is it? So how do we deal with doubt? If you've been with us, uh, you know that we've been exploring the book of Genesis over the past couple of months. And before Christmas, we met the man, Abram, uh, the man who shows us what it looks like to have faith. Like, like us, he, he experienced his experience of faith is, is a journey one that grows and develops over time. Like this, he tries to work things out in his head. What does it mean to trust in God's promises? And like us, he has great moments of clarity and expressions of trust in the Lord. Before Christmas, we looked at Genesis chapter 14, and we saw Abram in a great battle, winning a great military victory over his enemies. But what was more impressive about that was his trust in God after the battle. See, Abram, he won the battle. He had all the spoils of war, a riches that would have easily made him the richest man in the Middle East. But what does Abram do? He, he gives it all up. If you're there in your Bibles, go to chapter 14, verse 19. Sorry, verse 22. He gives it up to the king of Sodom, saying, I have lifted my hand to the Lord. God most high, possessor of heaven and the earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abram rich. See, Abram, he has this moment of great clarity. He expresses trust in the Lord. But like us, 
uh, Abram, he has moments of a great doubt. We've seen our passage today that right after a great victory, he has a major crisis of faith. He doubts. He doubts God and his promises. See, when the adrenaline from the battle is gone, uh, when Abram, he gets back home, he steps out of his battle-worn clothing, he, he gets into the bathtub with a, with a beer in hand, uh, that's when it starts to hit him. Like, what? I, I gave all the spoils away? Uh, what if God doesn't come through with his promises? What have I done? See, like this, like doubt can, can often creep in, even after our best moments. So the question, how secure are the promises of God? And as we look at what God is saying, is saying to us today, my desire is for us to hear his voice saying loudly and clearly. And he will say, absolutely. And my promises are secure, rock solid and sure. And so we will start this new year with resolve to trust in God's promises. Just before we look at our passage, I'm going to pray for us and that God might help us. Father, we pray as we look at your word, will you help us to hear you clearly so that we can trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're following the handout, we are at point number one. Uh, if you don't have it yet, you can find it on the chat. And point number one, uh, we are looking at the one, the God who speaks the universe into existence. At the start of the passage, we see God restating his great promise of rewarding Abram. Uh, yet we see Abram expressing what I call a believer's doubt. Look to verse one. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, for I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram, like, like many of us, he, he expresses doubt. Look at verse 2. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. I wonder if you notice the increasing frustration in Abram's voice. Verse 2, God, what will you give me for I continue childless? You see, Abram, he, he gets to the root of the issue. What's the point of receiving a great reward when he has no offspring to pass it on to? In verse 3, it, it turns almost accusatory. That behold, you have given me no offspring. And in chapter 12, God promised to give Abraham offspring. But here in chapter 15, there was no indication that it was going to happen. Was Abraham wrong to doubt? Uh, well, in many ways, it was totally understandable. Uh, These words came to Abram when he was roughly around 80 years old. Uh, his wife, Sarai, same age as him, uh, was not only 80, but also at the end of chapter 11, uh, we find out that she was barren. Uh, I did a bit of Googling and uh, record for the world's oldest mom. Uh, can you guess? 
uh, is age 74. Uh, Aramati Magayama from India gave birth to twins last year in 2019. Uh, pretty close to 80 years old, you might say, but her pregnancy was done via IVF through donor eggs. Apparently her husband, who was 78, uh, collapsed with a fatal, non-fatal, sorry, heart attack the day after she gave birth, apparently due to shock. Abraham might have a heart that is stronger than Aramatis' husband, uh, but needless to say, uh, it's reasonable for him to doubt God's promises. Not only was Sarai 80 years old, she was also barren. And like us, uh, we too may have many good reasons to doubt God's promises. Things look unlikely, if not impossible. Life after the grave? Now the science tells us otherwise. And the comforting thing uh, is that God, well, he, he doesn't get angry. Uh, he doesn't scold Abram, nor us for doubting. Instead, he, he takes Abram by the hand and tells him to come outside. Come, Abram, come outside and look up. And look at verse 5. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offering, offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. I spent a few months living in the Grand Canyon. And one of the most magnificent things about being there is that there's zero light pollution. In the night, it's pitch black. Uh, you look up and you see a plethora of stars in the sky, the Milky Way, millions if not billions of twinkling lights in the sky. And Abram in a desert in the Middle East before the invention of the light bulb uh, would have seen something similar uh, as he gazes up into the night sky. His doubt turns to faith. He believes the Lord and righteousness gets credited to him. But what is it that moves Abraham from doubt to faith? Uh, what inspires belief? Uh, why does seeing the plethora of stars, uh, what does that do for him? And it's not really explicit in our passage today, but I want to suggest that at that moment, Abraham, he develops an idea, an understanding of who God is. You see, we often forget that Abram in chapter 12, when he first appears in the book of Genesis, that he was someone who was worshipping pagan gods. He does not start out knowing the Lord. However, in chapter 14, uh, after the battle against his enemies, he learns something from Melchizedek, uh, the king of Salem. I look at chapter 14, verse 19 again. This is what Melchizedek says to Abram. Blessed be Abram. By God Most High, possessor or creator of heaven and earth. You see, Abram, he, he, he learns from Melchizedek that the God who first spoke to him back in chapter 12 is the God who is the possessor and creator of the heavens and earth. And it's as if as Abram looks into the night sky, um, neurons in his brain start to light up. Uh, the final piece of the puzzle lands and falls in place. It's as if Abraham is thinking to himself, well, if God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, 
spoke all these stars into existence in the night sky. Surely he can speak offsprings into existence too. See, do you get the point? Understanding who God is, the creator who speaks the heavens and earth into existence, will move you from doubt to faith. The security of his promise is closely linked to who he is. Uh, the trouble with, with Boris promising that things will be back to normal by Easter is that that isn't a promise he can keep. Um, he has no power over the virus. He cannot say to COVID-19, stop spreading, even if he adds, please. Boris promises they are not secure because of who he is, a human, like all of us. But God's promises, they are secure because of who he is, God unlike all of us. Uh, he is the God who said, let there be light, and there was light. Uh, he was the one who said, let there be land, and there was land. And when he says, let there be new life, there will be new life. And when he says, let this heavens and earth pass away, and a new heavens and earth come, there will be a new heavens and earth. There will be no delay, no development phase, no trial period, no prototypes. It will just be. See, the same vocal box that said, let there be, also said to Abram, so shall your offspring be. And so Abram, his doubt turns to faith. So how, how do we deal with doubt? Uh, we need to know the God who spoke the universe into existence. Um, have a go this week. Uh, before praying, uh, remind yourself who you're speaking to. Um, he is the one who spoke the universe into existence. Are God's promises secure? Well, absolutely. And you know, something astounding happens when Abraham, he decides to believe. Uh, verse 6, he has righteousness counted or credited or imputed or given to him. We know from chapter 12, Abram uh, is far from righteous. If you weren't reverse, Abram, he gave up his wife to become part of another man's harem to save his own skin. Uh, Abram, he is far, far from righteous. But in verse 6, as he believes in God and his promises, righteousness that is not his own gets counted to him. And it's amazing, we have here in embryonic form the picture of how one obtains righteousness through faith, believing in the promises of a creator God. A Paul in the New Testament in Romans 4, he picks up on this passage saying that all Christians can identify with Abram. If you, we, if you have faith in God's promises, or you are an offspring of Abram. By trusting in God's promises, you can have righteousness credited to you. As we understand who the God who spoke the universe into existence, we can be absolutely sure his promises are secure. Uh, but there's one more reason why his promises are secure. And we also need point number two. The God who swears on his life. At the very start of the Abraham narrative, as we first meet him at the end of chapter 11, uh, we are presented with two problems. At the first, we've already discussed that his wife, Sarai, is barren. However, the second problem that Abram has 
is that Abram, well, he's a wanderer. He has no land. And so this lack of land becomes the next reason to doubt God. I look to verse 7. And Abram said to him, and God said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But Abram said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Like in the passage before, Abram doubted God when he came to the offspring, and here he doubts God when it comes to the land. But like before, well, Abram had every reason to doubt God. See, the land that God was promising Abram is the same land that we read about in chapter 14. Um, the same land that we witness five eastern kings led by Catalomia charging through, destroying everyone in his path. And yes, they were defeated by Abram, but who's to say new enemies wouldn't arise? And what happens next in a passage is, uh, is most strange. Uh, God tells Abram to take some animals, uh, some livestock and birds, and to cut them into half. After that, we read that Abram falls into a deep sleep and we hear the Lord making a declaration, a declaration that Abram's offspring will be afflicted for 400 years, but afterward come back into the land. And most strangely, following that declaration, a smoking fire pot and flaming torch passes in between the dead animals. Uh, animals come in two, flaming symbols passing through, Abram in a deep sleep. I mean, what is going on? And the hint that the author gives us is right there in verse 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. And the word covenant, well, it's key. Now, in ancient practice, the ritual of passing between an animal that's split in half is akin to swearing on one's life. It is saying that if, if the promise I make doesn't come to pass, what happens to the animals will happen to me. And it's clear that Abram, well, he's not the one making the covenant. Uh, he's fast asleep. But rather, it's, it's God represented by the smoking fire pot and flaming torch. Uh, he is the one who makes the covenant. See, God is saying here that if Abram's offspring do not inherit the land, God himself will be cut in half. God himself will be cut in half. And it's worth pausing here just to consider the magnitude of what's happening. Uh, imagine my, my dad owns a huge country estate in the countryside. Uh, he doesn't, but let's just imagine he does. And he, he tells me, son, uh, I promise you that instead of your two sisters, uh, you will inherit the estate when you grow up. Uh, thanks a lot, dad. And then he hands me this knife and he says, if you don't inherit it, you can cut me in half. I mean, what sort of dad would, would do that? I mean, it's a little bit crazy, don't you think? But at the very least, you would think that my dad really means what he says. But this here is not a father swearing on his life to his son. Uh, it's much more mind boggling than that. This is God 
swearing on his life to the very dust he created. Point number one, the God who spoke universe into existence is the God who is handing the knife over to Abraham. And so how secure is God's promise? Well, it's absolutely secure. And it's over God's own dead body. God swears on his life that his promise to Abram will come through. And this, I think, should provide us a huge comfort. And my hunch is that when we, when we doubt God, uh, we often think that God's, God gets angry with us. Uh, we think that he's up there uh, wagging his finger, saying, uh, you should know better. But the huge comfort is that the reality is different. See, when, when Abram doubts, God doesn't wag his finger at him. He takes him outside and tells him, look up, Abram, look up to the stars. And when Abram doubts, God doesn't shake his head in disappointment. He says to Abram, I swear on my life that my promise will come through. And here's a knife for you to hold. So how secure are God's promises? Well, they are absolutely secure. 100% fail-proof, triple-A rated, rock solid. And these promises that God made, now they proved to be absolutely secure. See, the nation of Israel indeed was enslaved 400 years in Egypt, but they did come back into the promised land in the time of Joshua. The Lord did give Israel the land. The knife didn't need to cut through God because he kept his word and he gave Israel the land. And in one sense, this promise that God swears on his life is specific to the nation of Israel. But there's another promise that God swore on his life. And this promise was not specific to Israel, but to all who follow his son, Jesus. And this time, the knife, it did draw blood. It took the life of God. Blood not proving that the covenant was broken, but blood sealing a new covenant. See, if God swearing on his life in, in our passage today sounds crazy, and, and to me it does sound pretty crazy, how much more when God nailed himself to a wooden cross? So at the start of this new year, um, as you look ahead to 2021, as you make your plans and set your goals, uh, will you recalibrate your focus Will you realign yourself? Will you fix your eyes on God's promises? If you need reminding, uh, bundle up tonight, head outside and look up. Look to the stars. Or if you're bad with the cold, uh, make yourself a cup of tea, sit on your couch and meditate on the death of the Lord Jesus. Well, it doesn't matter if you had a rubbish Christmas break or a rubbish 2020. Will you trust in his promises today? His promise that Jesus will one day return. His promise that a new creation awaits. His promise that there will be innumerable offsprings from every tribe, tongue, and nation on that final day, giving praise to God. Because that is the only thing secure in 2021. Not the lifting lockdown in February. Not the vaccine to solve our plight. Well, is God's promises secure? Well, absolutely. Let me pray. 
Father, we praise you that you are the God who spoke and this universe came to being. We praise you that you are God who swears on his life to keep your promises. We pray that 2021 might be a year where we cling on to and trust in your promises. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.